0: Hi, welcome to Adulthood Pending Podcast. I'm Kimmy. And I'm Brittany. We're a podcast for college students, recent graduates, or anyone else who's also figuring out that being an adult isn't as simple as it's made out to be. Join us each episode as we share how we're navigating our careers, post grad lives, and the whole adulting experience.
1: This week, as you'll notice, it'll just be me and Kimmy, and we're joined by a guest who is pursuing a graduate degree, and in the past, we've had other guests who have also pursued graduate degrees, such as law school, dental school, business school, but in this episode, we have someone who is studying to get her master's in Asian American Studies from UCLA. She also graduated from Scripps and got her degree in English in 2020, and is most importantly my little sister. So welcome, Emiko. Hello.
0: Yay. nice to be here.
1: <laughs> I was waiting Yay. when you were gonna ask me to be on your podcast.
0: Oh, you were wondering. Yeah, the time <laughs> finally came.
1: <laughs> um, so to start off the episode, we're gonna um, start with a fun question like we always do. So our fun question for this episode is, what is your favorite part about being a sister? Um,
2: I guess the fun part about being a sister is having especially being a younger sister is having someone go through all the things before me that's been Mm -hmm. really nice (laughs) um but also just like I guess on a more sentimental note just having someone there because like growing up we were always super close with one another and didn't feel like I was having to go through like all the hard school stuff and testing and all that by myself and especially because we went to the same college together that I think really helped me in being able to think about like my priorities for school because I was definitely the one out of the two of us that was more likely to want to do something fun versus like recognizing that I had other like academic priorities that I needed to consider.
0: Mm -hmm. Do you feel similarly, Britt, being the older sister of Emiko?
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I think like being a sister is just really easy to like have a friend that's like you know, that's going to be kind of built in no matter what. Obviously, I think there are some relationships where that's not the case, but um, I think, like, you know, there's not anyone else that's like going through the same thing as you as like a sister or a sibling, especially if they're close in age. So, um, yeah, I'm, I'm glad I had like someone that was close in my age and also a sister um, as opposed to like a brother.
0: Yeah, because you're both only one year apart from each other in both age and grade.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Yes. And then, yeah, mm-hmm. also had like very similar paths up to college. So very uh, unique. Similarly, my older brother and I also have are like a year or a year and a half apart. And mm-hmm. we went to school pretty much together up until like including college Um yeah so I think my favorite part of being a sibling or a sister, I also have a younger brother, is just like what you two are saying, having someone there to go through like the same exact life experience as you because no one else would have experienced that except for your parents, and <laughs> there's just like a huge age gap there um, um, yeah,
1: but in particular,
0: <laughs> for being a sister, which is being like a female sibling, I think, um. In my family, I'm the only girl. So at times, I feel Mm -hmm. like that's fun because I feel like I can get attention at times. (laughs) (laughs) You know, it's just, I don't know, it's fun. Just hang out and stuff.
2: Yeah, and I feel like you kind of develop like your own language with your siblings. Mm -hmm. Like I know that me and Athe or me and Brittany... I don't know. I call her Ate. That's like a yeah. You could call
1: me Ate. You, could, you okay. could explain what it
2: is. Okay, so Ate in Tagalog is basically just like a respectful term for someone that's older than mm-hmm. you, but still close in age, like an older sister or an older cousin. Um, so it's more of like a a sign of respect. And I abuse um, it. <laughs> <laughs> I abuse
1: it because I don't like oh, call yeah. me anything else. Yeah. <laughs> I know. Even on, on even on this podcast. <laughs> <Come> on.
2: <laughs> Um, Yeah, but I feel like we always have, like, shared glances or, like, shared, like, inside jokes or something like that where other people might not get it or understand or just, like, the way that we act with one another. Um, Mm -hmm. Like, parents, our parents specifically, like, sometimes they think that we're fighting or yelling at each other. um, But we're just like, I don't know what you're talking about. Like, we're just talking right here.
0: (laughs) So. Yeah, this is just how we
2: interact.
0: Yeah, <laughs> nice. And then, Emiko, uh, where are you in your adulthood journey? Um, for me, I think I'm still trying to figure that out.
2: Um, like, I would I thought that you know going into grad school would give me a clear idea of what that journey could look like, um, but I think it's brought up like more questions than answers. In terms of like what I see in terms of what I see myself doing like
0: 10 years down the line. That's not clear yet. Mm -hmm. And then just to clarify, um, Britt said that you graduated from Scripps in 2020. And then did you take a year off or how long did you take off before deciding that you wanted to pursue Asian American studies and get your master's?
2: Yeah, I took a gap year and it was because of... um, because of the pandemic and normally for grad school, they institutions don't typically allow you to take a gap year unless you have a very specific reason. Like if you got awarded um, a fellowship that allowed you to um, or required you to participate and like maybe you can enter school during that year. But if it's something like you wanted to travel and get that experience or get work experience, that's not necessarily considered um, a reason for grad school to take a gap year. Mm -hmm. But because last year was such, um, like an interesting time, they, they told students, um, that it was an option. So I took it mainly because I didn't want to take online classes. Mm -hmm. Um, I finished up my undergrad doing that. And I think that I just didn't have the self-discipline to Mm -hmm. get like the benefits of online classes. Mm -hmm. Um, so, yeah, I just decided to work. I worked, like, at a boutique store. I worked at, uh, like, a small financial services company in Monrovia. Um, yeah, I was just doing those things
1: uh, for the past year. Mm. So I guess to, like, have a better picture going back to your senior year when you're applying to these, like, grad programs, like, what were what your original intentions for going to grad school and, like, what ultimately made you decide, oh, I think a master's in Asian American studies is my next step for me? Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah, well, actually,
2: UCLA's program was the only program that I applied to that wasn't an MFA program. Mm -hmm. I applied to a lot of MFA programs for creative writing and poetry. Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. And so out of all of them, UCLA's was the only one that wasn't in that field. Um, And I was torn between wanting to pursue creative writing um as like a sole career um but also wanting to engage more with like the theory of like and the frameworks of like ethnic studies specifically asian american studies mm-hmm. um and i was part of me was worried that if i entered an mfa program which like while there are some more like experimental programs out there writing programs with more like i guess diverse faculty um i was worried that just the history of like creative writing being a very like traditional field especially poetry it's it can be very like classist I was worried that I was going to get stuck and not be able to keep up with like the Asian American theory that I was like really interested in um Mm -hmm. and UCLA's program is interesting because they have like a creative capstone so I figured that I could just do like a poetry like shorts, um, a book of poetry for my final project mm-hmm. and still incorporate that creative writing aspect while getting like the benefits of like the Asian American studies program and engaging with like those ethnic studies frameworks and comparative ethnic studies frameworks because I feel like that was something that I didn't get as much my undergraduate
0: years and so I was really craving for for more of that. Mm-hmm. Have you by chance read the book Minor Feelings? Hmm. Yeah, I read the
2: book. Um, my so at Pomona College, mm-hmm. one of my mentors, Prigita Sharma, who was the one that really encouraged me in my writing, um, is actually mentioned in the book. Oh wow. Um. Yeah, she told us about minor feelings mm-hmm. before it was coming out, oh. and so I was like, oh, let me check that out. And then I saw it. Like, I didn't think it was going to be like too. Cause it's not a book of poetry, even uh-huh. though it's written by a poet. Exactly. So that's what's that's like. What's interesting about it?
0: Yeah, I mean, just what you were saying, it reminded me of the author. So that's mm-hmm. cool. But also, you and Brent, like, I feel like you have similar paths. So to give some context, even though we all went to school together, and Emiko and I were in the same year. I feel like I was closer to Brit than Mm -hmm. (laughs) I was Emiko. We haven't had like a legit conversation until now. But I didn't know that you two were that similar, like that you were also thoroughly interested in like creative writing and literature.
1: Yeah, I was like, well, I would say, so we both majored in English and um, Emiko definitely like, yeah, went the creative writing Mm -hmm. path, I think. Like, I think I just went in, to, I just majored in English because like I was like oh I love reading I love books and stuff and it was like I want to like you know write stuff and analyze poetry which mm-hmm. I hated poetry oh. <laughs> and so uh, yeah I think it's it, it funny how like we were like super similar up until college and then after that we like like I'm we're in very different fields mm-hmm. yeah
2: because I, I went in thinking I was going to follow this path of like mm-hmm. med school and all that and there's like oh yeah <laughs> My first semester, so I was doing like all those STEM classes and stuff. Oh, really. My first semester of chemistry, I absolutely failed my first oh, midterm. No. Like, like, it wasn't like I just got a C and I'm like, uh-huh. oh, I failed. I'm like, I got like a 26% <laughs> on the midterm. Oh, <laughs> with, then, the <laughs> with the curve. With the curve. And I was like, why do I, I don't want to do this the rest of my life. Like, I don't, I didn't enjoy, I didn't enjoy studying for it,
0: mm-hmm.
2: and I think at the time, I think Atta thought I was, I was like, going through the party phase in college, mm. um, and that's yeah. why I was, like, drifting from STEM and because I did explore other paths like I was like oh I want to be a lawyer so I did like an internship mm-hmm. at like the Pomona Courthouse and then I was oh, like wow. oh I want to get into publishing and then I did that mm-hmm. um oh yeah you've done so much. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I like forget <laughs> yeah and then I was just like not finding I think I knew what I wanted to do which was creative writing and poetry but mm-hmm. I was just kind of scared because it is like an uncertain yeah. like career path you got to be like part of it I think is um having, like, the right connections on Mm -hmm. top of being, like, you know, a very good writer as well. So then I I think I was just scared to dedicate myself to that. Um, Mm -hmm. And part of that probably translated into my grad school decision, too.
0: Mm -hmm. And then you mentioned, too, that before, like, one of the best things about having an older sibling or sister is, like, having someone that kind of has already, like, carved the path for you. And as you both mentioned, you did have very similar paths. And now you're doing something completely different, so at times has that felt like scary at all to not really know what's ahead?
1: yeah,
2: scary, but I'm also like very curious, so mm-hmm. I think that's what's motivating me and like because I was able to rely on Opta for so long, I think mm-hmm. now that we're diverging um it's like interesting that we're both able to connect on like grad school problems in a way mm-hmm. that we didn't get to connect on like undergrad problems because like mm-hmm. I would tell mm-hmm. Atta in undergrad like my issues in classes and stuff and then she would be able to give me advice and now we're like almost on the same level of like mm-hmm. we're both just trying to figure it out because like none of our parents went to grad school so mm-hmm. then we're both like left here trying to like um, find support where we can. Mm-hmm.
1: I guess, like, kind of off that, um, like, do you get annoyed when people ask you what you want to do with your grad, like, with your grad degree, and, like, what kind, at this point, what do you intend to do, or, like, what do you hope to accomplish?
2: Yeah, uh, I don't think I get annoyed, mainly because I just expect it at this point, because I got Mm. that with, like, English, too, (laughs) um, like, a lot of people ask if I wanted to teach, Mm. um, which mm-hmm. I think, like, at first I was like, no, I don't want to teach. I don't mm-hmm. want to fall into, like, that stereotype of, like, an English grad becomes a teacher. Mm-hmm. But I actually do mm-hmm. en- enjoy it more for, like, the mentorship aspect mm-hmm. of it. So, yeah, when people ask me about it now, I just now default more to, like, oh, probably pursuing higher education. Like, I because I am, because it is unsure for me what I want to do and I am considering that, like... It's not like a complete lie. Um, Mm -hmm. But yeah, I usually just say like thinking about being a PhD. And because my degree is considered a terminal degree, which is like a degree, it's the highest that you can get within that degree. So Asian Mm -hmm. American studies, um, there's one program um, that has a PhD program for Asian American studies. um, But it's still, even though that one PhD program exists, the MA is considered still a terminal degree um, just because I think it's like relatively new. There aren't that many other programs in it. Um, Mm -hmm. And so because of that, I can teach at a community college if I wanted to after this, (laughs) which is what I usually tell people. Um, Uh And yeah, that's kind of just where I'm at. I don't think, because I don't have it figured out all the way, I don't give a
1: concrete answer. Have you ever, like, encountered someone where they you felt a lot of judgment from your choice, or has that not really come up yet?
2: Uh, not judgment, but just, like, genuine curiosity of, like, oh, you're getting a master's in Asian American Studies? Like, what can you even do with that? Um, yeah. I don't think they're judging me in the sense of, like, they don't think that what I'm doing is worth pursuing. Um, but it's more of, like, you don't really... Or I before I think college I didn't encounter a lot of people with an MA in Asian American studies. Um so I do understand that like some people are just genuinely like not sure what you can do with that. A lot of family members mm-hmm. ask that too, so um Yeah. I mean, yeah. I mean you know I have to, like family members asking what you want to do when
1: you grow old. Yeah. Yeah, them being like, I don't understand what this means. Yeah.
0: Exactly. And then just to dig into Asian American studies a bit more, um, by studying like Asian American studies and because you are Asian American, do you feel like it's helped you kind of figure out your identity a bit more or like what are some concrete things you've learned so far?
2: Mm. Yeah. Um, I think that that, journey of figuring out my identity more probably even started like an undergrad when I took my mm-hmm. first Asian American studies class um it was taught by Gladys Nubla who was actually an alum of the UCLA program oh. um mm-hmm. yeah and she taught at Pitzer College mm-hmm. and that's how I came into it um and that kind of just got me thinking a little bit more um like about I think the interdisciplinary nature of Asian American studies mm-hmm. um because you are thinking about like politics you are thinking about history um you are thinking about like even just looking at like archival documents um to understand like the I guess like identity formation and racialization of Asian Americans in the U.S. Mm -hmm. and so then for me it's kind of it's been like a very I think humbling experience just because I'm always like there are always new theories and new articles that are coming out in expanding what Asian American studies even like captures. Hmm. Um, for example, like thinking about um, Arab Americans and Arab
0: mm-hmm.
2: um, like Arab studies, does that constitute within the field of Asian American studies? Um, and there are hmm. arguments to be made for both of like, it should be its own thing, but then also thinking strategically of like, what can an institution kind of, um what can an institution support now so if you can get like a little bit more support within like an Asian American studies department sometimes people might gravitate towards that um yeah so for me Asian American studies it's like i don't know i've just been learning all these new things and my cohort they have so many different research interests um that mm-hmm. i don't think i even explored or considered cuz i was just focused on mine um and so then just kind of that networking or I don't like networking that much, that term, but creating, I guess, community with all these other people who are wanting to do like the same thing. I think like in general, my cohort really wants to make an impact within Asian American studies, mm-hmm. um, especially seeing like the relevance that it's had this past year. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. So it's been a very like, I think, uplifting experience for me. And it gets me more excited, I think, mm. about like the future of where I see myself.
1: Mm. Yeah, it's really funny because like at school, um, in med school, I tell like my cohort, oh, my sister's getting her like masters in Asian American studies, and everyone's like, oh my gosh, that's so cool. <laughs> and um, like, didn't you say like they do that for the for you too? Um,
2: yeah, when I tell like my cohort, like when they ask about Five siblings and I was like, oh yeah, she's in med school. They're like, oh my god. Oh
1: well. like, <laughs> Because <laughs> yeah, it's just funny. Like we're both like <laughs> have interests in each other's fields. Yeah. But, um. Like, I guess like off of that, like, so I went like the typical STEM Asian family become a doctor field. Like, how does it feel to have like an older sister or older sibling that went that route? And like, do you ever feel like you were kind of not as paid attention to as much as I was or like how did you feel having a sibling that went that traditional route versus mm-hmm. a non-traditional one
2: mm-hmm.
1: um I think like with our parents that didn't really make that much
2: of a difference just because like for our mom and our dad they were both like um even though our dad really really wanted us to be doctors growing <laughs> up um I think in the end both him and my mom shared the sentiment of like, just do whatever you think will make you happy. And Mm -hmm. um, the financial security that comes along with the job can just be seen as a bonus, but also something that should be in the back of your head. Um, Mm -hmm. And so then for them, I didn't feel that. I think the struggle probably came more like within my own, like internal reflection about it um just because i've i have thought like oh it would be easier if i actually enjoyed science and medicine um <laughs> <laughs> easier in yeah. the sense that like the financial security that is implied with those types of jobs that, that seemed like a lot nicer
1: mm-hmm. um mm-hmm.
2: but other than that like i think mainly from family members that's probably where i saw that um comparison a little bit more just because um
1: I think that... Like distant family members?
2: Yeah, distant family members. Um, because, like, our grandparents have been actually surprisingly supportive of, like, mm-hmm. me wanting to pursue it. Like, my our Lolo, our grandpa, always talks about how, like, there are so many artists in our family. Mm-hmm. And he he mm-hmm. wants to have, like, Ate be his doctor and me be his biographer.
0: Oh,
2: wow. Um, <laughs> yeah. And so I think, yeah, it's more like distant family members that, like, Um, that's where that comes in more. But I don't, I try not to take it too personally. Uh, But I do think like when I was younger, I would get frustrated about it a lot more. Yeah. Just because I was like, oh, it's it's," just because I'm pursuing something different doesn't necessarily mean that like it has any less value, I guess. Mm -hmm.
0: Definitely. So you mentioned earlier in the episode that you had applied to grad school and then you decided to defer. And I as a fellow class of 2020 know that there was like it was a huge struggle to get a job and a lot of people were each kind of pursuing their own route. Um, but at this point, I feel like there's a lot of people in our class that are working or started working last year. So how did it feel to like start your postgrad life maybe a little later than others?
2: Mm-hmm. I think, yeah, because it was because it was so hard to find a job last year I was like my main concern was just trying to earn money during my gap year. Mm-hmm. Um because, you know, grad school costs money. Yeah. And mm-hmm. um I was I didn't want to go into like more student debt for my grad school education. Mm-hmm. I mean UCLA's program is great because they've like historically fun- fully funded um oh, wow. their students throughout the program. Wow. Yeah. Um mm-hmm. and so that was great, but it was like at that time, my financial package would have been like, I wouldn't need to get any, um, like they would pay for my tuition and everything like that. But the cost mm-hmm. of commuting, um, that's true, and the cost of living was just something that I had to take into account. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and so then finding a job was really hard last year. Um, and I think seeing other people start their careers um it was it was hard not to compare myself to them and then also be like well um thinking like oh i'm going to start my next year like as if like mm-hmm. that was me like catching up to them in that mm-hmm. sense um mm-hmm. and then also when i was applying to jobs like i was putting on my resume that i was going to enter grad school thinking it would help my resume mm-hmm. um cuz i'd already been accepted Yeah. But it actually ended up hurting it a little bit more because people Mm -hmm. were like, Oh, we want someone that's gonna be here long term. Yeah. Um if you don't have the intention of staying here longer than a year, then like that's not worth it for that wasn't worth it for them. Oh no. Um (laughs) so it's like kind of frustrating. And I was like, ooh, I don't know. Um Mm -hmm. And so then that's why I started working. um one of my friends recommended me for like this small business in Pasadena, and I mm-hmm. was just doing that to like earn some money. Mm-hmm. Um, but it was that was also difficult. That job and like the job I took at the financial services company was difficult for me because I felt like I was doing mm-hmm. something that wasn't related to what I actually wanted to do. Mm-hmm. Um, and it wasn't intellectually stimulating for me
1: mm-hmm.
2: and And so then I was like. Working these jobs to earn money, and then also looking on like our Facebook groups and LinkedIn and seeing all these people like earning or taking these jobs that seems really cool, mm-hmm. um, and yeah, so I was just trying not to compare myself to them because I I didn't want to enter that rabbit hole. But mm-hmm. I mean, it's it's hard, like, it's hard mm-hmm. to stay perfect in that sense of like not doing that.
0: Yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. for sure. Especially in like moments when. I feel like things feel out of your control because you're like, I'm being honest. I'm putting that I'm going to be leaving. And then people are like, no, actually, we want someone who's going to be here for a longer time. Like, it seems like you were doing everything you could, but it just, like, didn't match up with maybe, like, what other people wanted of you.
2: Yeah. Yeah. And so I actually ended up taking it off my resume. Oh. Nice. And
1: just straight up lying. Yeah, actually. (laughs) You have to. they don't... You could have deferred for like more, you know, they don't know. Well, yeah, yeah, I didn't
2: even tell them I was deferring. So I was just like, um, I was like, yeah, I'm just like a recent grad looking to start my career at a company where I see myself (laughs) growing.
0: (laughs) You have to. Uh Even like I remember in high school, senior year when I had friends trying to get jobs and they even ran into that struggle because they were like they got into college, but they just needed some work for three months. And people are like, you're going to be leaving. Mm-hmm. And it's like, what, getting into college is like a punishment? Like, you understand yeah, yeah. that they want people long-term, but also it's it's uh, so hard.
1: <laughs> like, what do you expect them to do? Exactly. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
0: Especially,
2: like, companies that I feel like take advantage of, like, recent grads, especially mm-hmm. during that time who they knew, like, needed a job. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, like, in my experience, the company that I ended up working for a short period of time, like... Um, even though I was a recent grad and I had my degree
1: mm-hmm.
2: um they felt that I wasn't qualified enough to make like assistant status. I was just a oh, trainee, wow. oh my God, yeah because they they wanted me to have more like experience and they felt that the three-month trainee period would give me that experience and so then I think like that also added to like my frustration of like Mm -hmm. I thought this gap year was going to be a chance for me to like find myself and explore myself before entering (laughs) grad school um and then that just like not being the case um but I, I do think that in the end, it worked out because I was able to secure more funding for my program than I would have if I had entered my first year. um. So
1: I just try to think of it that way. Yeah. Yeah, I started, so we started this podcast, like, around, like, in your, around the timeline of your position, I guess. Yeah. Like, you know, mm-hmm. two years, or one year? Last I September? I like, can't even think about Yeah. Yeah, so you're two years... <laughs> Out of wait how many you're one year out of scratch of graduation not one so year. i was also one a few year. months yeah a few mo- like okay. six months no me oh no, you, <laughs> you. <laughs> me me last year is it i'm is like your position now yeah oh yeah right yeah. like yeah so um <laughs> <laughs> so i guess like like and, and i when i started when we started this podcast like I was like in a very transitional pe- period as well. Like, do you think seeing how I was and like <laughs> struggling made it seem more normal, <laughs> um, like two years out of grad school, or were you just like, oh, I guess this just like sucks for everyone because it's like COVID still? Or I, uh, I think.
2: I yeah, kind of like in the sense that I know a lot of people like our parents are telling us like oh you know, when I was, I would get upset about how hard it is to find a job they'd be like every it's hard for a lot of people right now so like don't beat yourself up over it
1: mm-hmm. um, yeah
2: but I think I I'm, I'm thinking back to that time and I think because both of us were like I think struggling to find like figure out how we were feeling and where we were going that mm-hmm. i don't think we communicated that with each other necessarily no. and so then when i was making those connections of like oh everyone's going through this um i think that was more of like uh an independent thought because like you kept this podcast a secret from us
1: for a while <laughs> oh really <laughs> wow, no movies. i did not i followed no i did not <laughs> well i, I guess like the planning
2: of it the like, planning of it yeah i was like it was, looking yeah, at our it was because
1: i was yeah
2: I was like looking at our Amazon orders and
0: I was like I didn't order a microphone what the heck
1: (laughs) (laughs) yeah that's true
0: that's funny yeah I feel like I mean when you were sharing your story I kind of definitely heard echoes of like what Brit said a year ago Mm -hmm. so yeah and I think that like
2: because you know this I feel like if we had probably, not just us, but I think a lot of people maybe um, been more open about like the struggles that they were facing, I think I would have probably felt like a little bit more like, okay, like, yes, this is hard, but it's not something that I'm going through alone.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: Yeah. I think also with gap years in particular, like there's just a certain level of privilege that it's hard to accept like when you are struggling because it's like, oh, not everyone can go through like take a gap year and discover ourselves like me and my (laughs) sister tried to do. Mm -hmm. Um like, you know, people have to like start work or whatnot. And so I think like in particular, gap years are just they're a lot harder than I think people make it out to be. Like I'm glad I took it and like I was super burnt out after school to go straight into grad school. But like, I don't know. It's rough doing a job like Emiko said, where you You're kind of doing like a very low level like trainee level job because like no one else will really take you past the year so um, yeah, I feel like that's like something that I didn't realize was gonna be really difficult when I decided to take a gap year.
0: Mhm, and I feel like also mm-hmm. all gap years are a bit different, like I feel like when mm-hmm. most people hear of a gap year, they're like, "Oh, you traveled or like you did this amazing thing, but it's also like you yeah. just need to support yourself like no actually <laughs> yeah you <I> made money
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah or it's like oh what did you do if you didn't discover yourself <laughs> you know, <laughs> yeah you just work like what is that
2: <laughs> yeah it gonna waste and I feel like this goes back to like the sibling thing the sibling question too of like what it means to like be a sibling because I think at that time like we were both like not It was, I think, we are both still, like I said, trying to figure out what we were doing. And so I think, like, because of that, as siblings, we weren't having, like, that sibling connection or whatever you want to call it. Um, And so then that made, I think, the struggle for the both of us feel a lot more individual. Um, because it's Mm -hmm. like you also, I don't know, Kimmy, do you also feel like sometimes you might be hesitant to share like the struggles that you're going through too with your siblings, Um, whether it be like you don't want to worry them or also just because you feel like they might not understand?
0: Yeah, I think so. Also, I think the relationship I have with my siblings is different. Like when people see us together, they say Mm -hmm. we act more like friends, which is true. We're like very friendly Mm -hmm. with each other. But we'll never, like, go out of our way to, like, call each other or text each other. Mm -hmm. It's just, like, when we're together, Mm -hmm. we'll talk and hang out and catch up. But we haven't really had, like, a relationship of, like, I know some other siblings do and, like, how you and your sister may. So I think it's less, Mm -hmm. okay. (laughs) (laughs) It's available. (laughs) But maybe I, so I think it's just because we don't have that kind of relationship like long-distance relationship, Um, whereas Mm. maybe if we were home all the time, which at this point we haven't all been home in so long and all lived in the same Mm. place for so long, it would have been that way.
2: Mm, That's interesting, yeah, because I feel like when me and Otto were at home for so long together, that's when I feel like we sort of started doing things like more independently and Mm. trying to figure things out more independently.
1: Um, Yeah, so that's Mm -hmm. interesting. Yeah. So I guess, like, the big question you got as someone pursuing a grad school degree, do you think you're choosing to go to grad school to delay working or finding a job? And or do you think you could be achieving the same things you are within your program, you know, like research, advancing Asian American community without your degree? And like, Mm -hmm. how do you kind of come to terms with that?
2: Yeah, well, I think, like, Advancing, like, the Asian American movement can be done, and there are people doing that without, like, the degree, um, mm-hmm. and I think there are people making mean- meaningful contributions to that without having to go through, like, academia, mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. and so for me, I think one of the reasons why I felt the need to go is because I do appreciate the support that the program offers or that grad school offers, mm-hmm. Um mm-hmm. And I do think that there are, like, connections to be made um, and ways to, like, explore my research interests that I was able to accomplish through grad school that I might not have been able to if I stayed or if I just didn't attend um, grad school in general. Um, I do think partially, like, going into a master's program has helped (laughs) me delay, like, Mm -hmm. figuring out if I want to stay in academia or not because if I were to be honest like the end goal would be academia it would be like being a professor and stuff like that but because that job market like you said is so so unstable um Mm -hmm. my the I kind of was viewing grad school as like me being able to still pursue what I want to do which is being in higher education while also delaying like having to make that final decision of am I going to go all in or am I going to go towards something that might not be a hundred percent related to what I want to do, but it's tangential to it. Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. And so that's kind of like where I'm trying to figure out what's more worth it to me um, in the Mm -hmm. end. And I think right now I'm at the the point where um, I'm leaning more towards going all in just because I don't want to have to, worry in the future because this is just me as a person I'll just worry about like oh what if I did actually pursue it and Mm -hmm. what would that have what would that life have looked like for me Um, Mm -hmm. and I do recognize like there is extreme privilege in being able to to go through that because there are a lot of people that don't have access to like higher education and it's like a paradox of like me wanting to pursue higher education while also like critiquing it as like this bigger institution Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and so for me like it's it's definitely given me more time for to like make those decisions later on um I'm not entirely sure like what I'll do after my master's program necessarily but it is projecting more towards, like, staying within academia, whether that's research-based or more creative. I think that's where I'm a little bit more unsure.
1: Mm. I forgot who I had this conversation with, but um there's someone I was talking to and then they're like, it's funny to, like, there's a point where you realize your sibling, like, especially... Like with a younger sibling is like a real person separate <laughs> from you and has their own thoughts, and I'm like I feel like this whole episode is just like that experience. <laughs> <laughs> like, oh wait, you can think, you can like
2: have thoughts. <laughs> yeah, like, gosh, <laughs> I don't know to take that as like a compliment
1: or an insult. <laughs> no, it's good because like I mean I never had classes. We even though we were the same major, we never had um, overlapping classes, so I've like never which seen was you. intentional. Yeah, it was, it was not intentional. No, it was intentional. Oh, I mean, yeah, I I don't think we ever, like, fought over a class or anything. It was <laughs> yeah. just, like, also out of, like, interest. It wasn't, we didn't fight, but I remember we were taking, like,
2: English, um, like, a core English class that we had to take, and I was going to take it one semester, and you're like, no, I'm taking it that semester, and it wasn't because we were competing over a class, it's more because I think we were both, like, not wanting to be in the same class and, like... I don't like I don't know how to explain it like um like I would be I would feel embarrassed like trying to articulate my thought in front of you and then like if it didn't come out how I wanted
1: I would feel like oh my gosh like um. yeah no I didn't want to be in a class with you either like because she was like growing up I felt like I was like I don't want to say that like make sound like a jerk <laughs> but I was better at like math and stuff and like science like very you know typical markers of education within, like, American education standards. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it was, like, funny coming to scripts and her being, like, I would say, like, easily she was better at English than me. She, like, helped me write essays and stuff. Mm-hmm. And so it was just, like, like, I didn't want her <laughs> to see me struggle in that academic setting because I'm, like, oh, I know she's, like, better, better at me than this. And so, yeah, we, yes, yeah, so we never, like, engaged with each other and super super high level conversation i think like the most would just be like current events and um analytical thought around that but so yeah but it's a good i'm complimenting you because i'm like wow you're articulating your thoughts very well i've never experienced this because every time i just talk to you it's about like dumb stuff like tiktok or something yeah
2: she would <laughs> She would ask me about, like, current events and be like, do you even know what I'm talking about? And I'm like, yes, I do. Sometimes you don't. It's like like that joke that, um, that, um, Hasan Minhaj makes in, like, The Homecoming King where he's, like, the older sibling basically creates the personality of the younger sibling. Like, everything that you enjoy,
0: everything you enjoy is because of me. Oh, my God. That
1: is true. That is partly true. You, like, know that. (laughs) <laughs> so you can't even deny it.
0: That's funny. I mean, I'm glad that it's recorded now, Britt so you can go back and find the exact moment when you realized <laughs> that
1: was person. Yeah, i it. was just this whole episode. Like, I was just like waiting for her just to like say something. Like, did it make sense. I was like, oh, what you're saying makes sense. <laughs> oh, nice to know you have faith
0: in me. <laughs> uh, <laughs> it has been interesting though, because I feel like this conversation's been very. Like a very scripts conversation, if that makes sense. Like, uh-huh. I feel mm-hmm. like at scripts, you like have whatever, like, you think critically and you like dive into different meanings of things, mm. um, but also mm-hmm. like think about how, like the world around you. And I feel like that's yeah, what this no, has been.
2: I agree. One thing though that I, I found interesting was like scripts, I think a lot of the times, they like to project to their students of like, oh, you'll be set because you're from Scripps. People recognize that. Like, I remember, I don't know if y'all experienced this, but when I would go to like the career planning center and I would ask them about like finding a job or grad school and, and I would express how worried I was that I wouldn't get in or anything. Mm-hmm. Like, no, you go to Scripps, like you'll be set. There's a whole network of people out there. They recognize like the prestige of Scripps College. And
1: then when I was like entering the job force, I was like, "What the heck? Is that true?" <laughs> yeah, people people Chicago don't know what Scripps College is. <laughs> they're like, "What?" And then I'm like, "It's in Claremont, California." And they're like, "What? I don't know where that is." <laughs> yeah. It's the same family as the Oceanography School. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. They don't know they don't know that outside of California. <laughs>
0: Yeah. it's true it's okay well thank you so much for coming on our podcast emiko we enjoyed getting to talk to you and learn about your maybe untraditional school route and just learn a little bit more about your sisterhood with Brittany. <laughs> 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 thank you all for listening before we sign off just wanted to give emiko some time to share a little bit about the master's program at ucla um just in case you're interested
2: Yeah, no, thank you for having me. It's been a long-time dream of mine this past year to be invited onto the podcast. (laughs) Okay, okay. (laughs) Um, But yeah, the UCLA Asian American Studies MA program, it's a two-year program. um, And a lot of, like, prominent, like, Asian American scholars have um, come out of that program, like Scott Kirishige, Uh, And then also a lot of professors that I met at the Claremont colleges actually went there. Um, And so Mm -hmm. then it's a very interdisciplinary program. And so one of the things I was worried about coming from Scripps was entering UCLA as a big school and Mm -hmm. not adjusting to that. Mm -hmm. Um, But the program is nice because it is very small. Like my cohort is only eight people. Um, Oh. Yeah. And so then it's like a nice mixture of like, being within a larger research institution that has access to a lot of different sources um, while having like the intimate nature of like a very small class size. Um, And you just, they, I think, formulate their program in a way that um, kind of makes you like similar to Scripps think critically about like Asian American studies. Um, And like I said, they also like historically have fully funded their students that participate. So if, that was, like, one of the main reasons why I chose to join. So, um, yeah, I recommend people check it out. It's a really cool program. So And that not many people know about.
0: Yeah. Great. Well, thank you again for coming on our podcast. If you're interested, you can check out our website, adulthoodpending.com, or follow us at podcast on Instagram. Join us every other Monday for new episodes. We can't wait to continue to share our stories, and we're excited that you're with us on this adulthood journey. Bye!